Hello listeners, Brad here of course. Uh, as we've mentioned in a couple of previous minutes, these are all being pre-recorded a couple of weeks ago, so there is some news coming out in the Jurassic community currently. The new trailer, or teaser, for Camp Cretaceous. Um, we've had the box art for the Brachiosaurus and some other news come out recently as well. But as soon as my co-host gets back from his little trip, um, we'll tackle all that news. And yes, of course... As we've been mentioning previously, David, the lucky devil, is over in Northern California in Eureka Redwoods, currently following through on the footsteps of Ian Malcolm, uh, Roland Tembo, and visiting some of the key scenes from The Lost World. We haven't been posting too many up on the Facebook page itself, but uh, if if you're in Jurassic Park, the group, or if you're in uh, Jurassicpedia's very own Facebook group, Jurassicpedia Discussion Group, uh, head over there, possibly on Instagram too, but check out, find David, friend him, and check out some of the uh, photos coming out of Eureka. It's fantastic, some of the filming locations he's found over there, apart from the uh, green, (laughs) from having a better than average rainfall this year, um, have not changed very little since the uh, filming back in 1996. So head over to the socials, check it out. Once he's back, we're going to get a big folder together, or album together, and post on the group. And uh, we'll discuss his trip. But until then, here's minute 52 of Jurassic Park 3. Discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're here to discuss minute 52 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, I had some stuff arrive. No, I uh, unpacked some stuff. The uh, Matchbox sets with the cars that uh, I got a little while ago. I finally took them out of the boxes last night and had a bit of a play around. Got the uh, black Sharpie out and drew my uh, line on the RV where the incision's going to be made <laughs> a little bit later. And I've also... Uh, I've got a a lot of the uh, Wave One stuff, the uh, the G Wagon and Unimog and all that sort of stuff. I've got a fair few of. I want to get the uh, hammer out, the ball peen <laughs> hammer out, and sort of just do a G Wagon that's been overturned, like the Explorer, <laughs> and just do some battle damage on a couple of things because I do want to uh, I do want to do that to one of the M classes to sort of look like the uh, the one that went tumbling over the cliff just before mm-hmm. the uh, trailers are attacked, but. Um, while I was playing around for my notes, I don't think we brought this up before when the M-Class was revealed, but it's the uh, the one that never went to the island in the first place, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Maybe, I suppose, because that car exists and it's there in the Mercedes showroom, if they're going to... Yeah. I know the, the RV's got Fleetwood on the bottom, so they've got Fleetwood's okay for the license, so I'm guessing the M-Class would have to have Mercedes okay as well, and they probably just took some photos of it. And sent to Matchbox. Yeah, I'm sure. I know that Mercedes the um, was also a big sponsor of both the Lost World and the Jurassic World movie. So yeah. they were probably more than okay with them just like, sure, do whatever you want, market us all you want, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if it was along the lines of 
more so because of Jurassic World, we want to um, we want to make Claire's Mercedes into a Matchbox figure, and mm-hmm. whether it was Matchbox or Mercedes saying, "Hey, well, we've got this car that belongs to the franchise as well. Here's mm-hmm. some photos of it." Oh yeah, I just wonder what come first, the chicken or the egg? There, where <laughs> what, what decision was made? Who's who's who said right? Well, if we're going to get the Mercedes license, we can do a two for two for here and get the M class and the uh, oh, it's not a CLK, whatever, whatever Claire's car's model is. Jurassic-Pedia.com. You'll, <laughs> you'll find it all there. I haven't got the link. I'll um, I'll get the link for the episode a little later. Yeah. No, I do also know that Matchbox is releasing a couple new ones, and one of them being the Hunter's vehicle. It's the basic. It's, yeah. did, did I talk about this before? No, you haven't. No, we, right. we, there's a new wave of Matchbox cars coming, and there is one very good one in there. <laughs> yeah, it's the InGen um, Hunter Jeep. It's not the Snagger one where the, where the uh, Outrigger comes out. It's... Um, Nor's at the hard top. It's the one where the, with the Gullwing doors that Roland and Burke and uh, Ludlow and all them are riding around in. Yeah, yeah. It's um when when it skids to a stop and Ludlow jumps out when they've got the Parasol office snared. Um, that mm-hmm. one there, and it's also seen later. I it's got the four driving lights on the front when um after Burke studying the um footprint and Dita there, they it's parked there when Roland's setting his gun getting the gun out of the case and putting it together. And uh, Burke has also got one when he, you can see him um, get out of it when he's showing the one hunter. He's showing the per, er, the Pachycephalosaurus off, and they both jump out of it. And he starts explaining it to him, and then Carter gets sent flying through the hardtop jeep. Yeah. I, when we when we first cut to the hunters starting the... Um, Starting the capture operation in that fleet mm-hmm. of vehicles driving up the driving down the uh, the game trail, you can see a couple of them dotted in there. But this is this mm-hmm. is going to be another like the uh, like the jeeps. <laughs> this is going to be the, the Wranglers. This is going to be another troop troop build. I want for ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that they come because I think it currently comes in a three pack. I hope they eventually do release as a single as well. Yeah, well, the the RV and the M class and even the Explorer are now here in single packs. So mm-hmm. when when the other the other lot I've got are from an earlier wave or early release, and it's that five pack with the Explorer and the the uh, Jurassic Wrangler, not the blue one, and, the, and I like the water trucks in that one as well. So they have uh, they did release the five packs, and now they're sort of releasing some of those things individually as well. But and it sort of fits. You have that now. We got we got the Unimog and that as well. So we're sort of getting some of those vehicles from the roundup. We can start to have those scenes those scenes play out so and then we have those uh minis that i think Mad- matchbox releases as well those little mini dinosaurs because we do have the snagger i remember the snagger coming out the one with another snag yeah the it's snagger, si- the one yeah with, it's similar with the blow-up uh pillows that come with the uh with the big uh arms that come down right yeah i can't remember what that line's called it's um because yeah, you get the the matchbox vehicle and you get a dinosaur to go with it. There's a there's a couple of trucks and the snagger vehicle there as well. Mm-hmm. In the um, I think there was some in the Jurassic World line, but in the Fallen Kingdom line, they sort of went a lot more out and it's been repackaged a couple of times as well. I haven't got any of them yet, but even the um, I wonder even if the, the little diecast T Rex and that from Jurassic Park would scale well. And they're already on a bit of a stand. 
I don't see why not. I think they were Matchbox back then, too, weren't they? Or was that Micro Machines? Well, uh, Titanium. Yeah, yeah, there was was Matchbox, I think, because I remember the Matchbox commercial where it had that, like, really spooky field with the forest in the background, and all you saw was the truck tires and then, or the, I mean, sorry, the truck uh, headlights, and they came up, and they had the, um, they had... A bunch of different ones. They had like the Rage Rig with the T Rex, and they had that a couple of ra- different Rage Rigs. They had one with the Raptor, and then one with the Parasaurolophus. Then they had a couple playsets that went along with it, like the um, Garage and the Kiln House, I think, as well. Oh man, I've I can't see any other. Oh yeah, there it is. There, I've, I'm looking at the Garage now, minty boxed. <laughs> um, brand new. Uh, yeah, I last night I was looking on YouTube and found the toy commercial the matchbox commercial for that garage i'll post it up on the facebook group because yeah again like you're sort of driving through the jungle all dark and that then you get the kids playing with the matchbox cars it's, it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> um, oh the lost world hits <laughs> they had like the uh, best the best uh toy commercials well and that's that's the thing they've got they released um the actual like the the armored unimogs and that from from the Lost World, I've got I've got them here as well. So you could you could have them, and now we've got the snag at the the Jeeps or the modified Wranglers to go with them, and mm-hmm. it's building it's building this collection quite nicely into a, the, the, will be a good display. And then Revel did the Snap Tight, um, both the Snagger and the Humvee. Yeah. So there's another one to have fun with. <laughs> yep. Those were licensed. Oh no, I think they also did the Mercedes too. So those three were licensed. Uh, basically toy ki- or toy kits. I'm not sure if they had sound. I know that the Snap Tight Star Destroyer from Star Wars that I have does. The the glue to get the like the um the sprue. Um, no, there. I mean, they didn't use glue. You just basically snapped them into place, snapped the pieces into place, and it was it was like easy level kit. That'd be too. Well, it might be two of the um, two of the toys I actually remember getting for the Lost World were the um, the Snagger and the M class of mm-hmm. those those clipped together models. And I've still got them here, and I've still got them. They've survived <laughs> um, all this time, but but even the little like the again the, this model of the M class with the spare tire, mm-hmm. you get all that in the Matchbox version as well. And one thing we didn't mention. One of the new um, Matchbox cars coming out as well is Eddie's Explorer uh, M Class as well. They're bringing that out, so mm-hmm. the, the uh, open back version. So looks like they had dinosaurs as well. I did not realize. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, this this toy line's not really slowing down on the Matchbox front, at least. Anyway, there's a lot more stuff coming. Hey, you got my bag. Yeah. Lucky strap. All right, Dave. Uh, ready to get into minute fifty-two. Yep. As we're in minute 51 of Jurassic Park 3, Eric and Grant were walking through the jungle when Eric had produced a raptor claw and showed it to Grant, asking, do you know what this is? Grant replied, yeah, it's a raptor claw. I used to have one. A fossil. At the three-second mark, Grant hands the claw back to Eric, and Eric responds, yeah, well, mine's new. At the six-second mark, Grant asks Eric how much of the island has he explored, and Eric replies, I stayed pretty close to the compound. I figured if anyone was coming to look for me, that's where I'd start. Grant says we need to get to the coast. That was the plan. 
And Eric asks, you sure? The closer you get towards, the bigger things get. At the 31 second mark, Eric stops and says, listen, you can hear something. Grant turns alarmed and looks around and says, what? And suddenly we can hear that familiar jingle. Eric confirms that it's his dad's satellite phone and starts looking around, trying to determine which direction the sound's coming from. At the 42 second mark, Eric starts running through the jungle and Grant follows, asking, how do you know? Eric says, to Kirby, paint and tile plus, in Westgate. And then, throwing all caution to the wind, starts yelling out for his dad and mum. At the 52 second mark, we cut to Billy, Amanda and Paul walking through the jungle. And this is where we end minute 52 of Jurassic Park 3. As we ended minute 51, Eric had handed Alan his claw and asked if he uh, knew what it was. Grant said he used to have one, a fossil, and as Alan's checking for danger, Eric says, well, mine's new, and take, snatches it back off him pretty much, <laughs> um, not wanting to uh, lose it. And they, uh, as they continue to walk, Alan asks Eric how much of the island has he explored. Before we sort of leave the raptor claw behind... <laughs> I know Grant wouldn't ask where did he get it because he'd probably get the same answer as the uh, P as sort of discussed in the previous minute, but it does make you wonder. Yeah, it does. Uh, as I mentioned in, I think it was like two minutes ago, wasn't it? Uh, 50? Yeah. Where I said I thought he got it off of a carcass of a raptor. Maybe he came across a dead raptor, velociraptor and it was just like a rotting carcass and he pulled the the toe off as a souvenir. Yeah. And it's... I've got a problem with this prop as well. Like, we've seen Grant's claw in Jurassic Park, how it was real, real narrow. What you'd want from a claw to be able to tear through flesh on the toe claw, this thing looks really, really thick. It <laughs> um, does, yes. And it's it sort of... I know for... Uh, I think it was Jurassic World... With the marketing of that, they actually you could buy a raptor claw, which is very similar to this, which was big, bulky, and fat. Um, I think there was a box of them in one of the uh, the Today interviews or something where you got Chris Pratt in the gift shop, mm-hmm. and there's a box of them on an end cap there or something. But yeah, it's a claw's a claw. It's bone. There's no. It's not as if half of the bone matter or that's been eaten away during fossilization or or anything not, like that. Not exactly, because it's not all bone. It's Actually, it has a keratin, large keratin sheath over the bone to protect okay. the bone from. It's like basically rhino horn, like where they get that keratin sheath over the bone to protect the bone. Yep. The only problem I have this with this clause is it seems kind of big. Yeah. It looks and more like a finger claw for the Rex or even the Ceratosaurus or something. Something like there. Even the... Uh, the... Um, Spinosaurus, because I have one of the, I have a cast of one of the original raptor claws from the first movie, and it's like one of those things—a cast of a cast. It probably probably came from the icons replica. It probably has heritage from the icons replica that was from the um, that was cast from the one of the original Stan Winston toe claws, and it's not that big. It's Probably six and a half inches around the curve. This seems large, like much, like way larger to, than the replica I have from the Stan Winston Studio claws. 
But even even when you compare it too to uh, Jurassic Park and Fallen Kingdom, where we get the the toe tap scene in both films, mm-hmm. just how sort of how big they are there. Because like the rat, like, even though these raptors are a little bit bigger than what they would normally be, it's still you'd still think it'd be human hand, maybe a claws mm-hmm. the size of the finger, a little bit bigger than the finger size and. Grant grabs his thing and it's <laughs> nearly as big as his forearm. I know, that's what I mean. Um, and another thing to remember is the claw that gets uh, stabbed into Udesky was not as big either. No, no, definitely. So I'm kind of wondering where the hell did he find a raptor this big? Or maybe Injun cloned some Utah raptors along with uh, their Deinonychus velociraptors. Well, we got some big ones in Trespasser again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, after um, Alan asked him how much the island he explored, Eric said he stayed pretty close to the compound. I figured if anyone came looking for me, that's where they'd start, which I don't know if anyone would, unless it's someone coming to the island specifically to go to the lab, i.e. poachers or biosyn or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if going to the lab would be the first, pl- first place... I suppose because it's um, it'd be more so the comforts of home, having a roof over your head and that sort of thing. That I could see it as like if you were stranded on the island yourself and looking for any way to uh, for anything like materials or a working phone or anything like that to help you get off the island. Because remember the. Um, and we presume that Malcolm's book was published post The Lost World, right? Yeah. So he probably would have mentioned that he, or at least maybe mentioned that he had um, gotten off the island by using the working telephone system in the worker village. And that may have spurred uh, Eric to possibly hunt for the same. I just, the more and more I sort of look at this scene, just after Grant's asked him how much of the island he explored, I would have just loved a throwaway line. Um, I found a village on the, fir- on the first or second day, but didn't find anything there. Just just some sort of reference to something we see in the Lost World. Mm-hmm. As they uh, turn and start to walk further away from the camera, uh, Grant says we have to get to the coast. Uh, that was the plan. And then we get the line from Eric, are you sure? The closer we get to water, the bigger things get, so... He's already near water in the center of the island here. The mm-hmm. lab's next to a river, so. Mm-hmm. But I think it's meant to be implied that by water he means the coast because Grant brings says we need to get to the coast, and then Eric kind of says, worried, worried, worriedly says, "Are you sure?" Because the closer we get to that water, the bigger things are going to get. And I'm wondering if he's referring maybe to the Spinosaurus or whatever attacked the boat, you know? I wonder, too, with the uh, with the rocky coasts we do have, and we did have that, that dropped sequence in The Lost World with the parasol office being in the water and being picked up by the fishing boat, I wonder if you might have a, a tribe of raptors or something on the coast that um, in, a, in a particular area where you get the tidal currents bringing animals that sort of fawn, fawn into the ocean or died or whatever else bringing them back to shore um, or just having scavengers compies or that on the coastline well remember that in um both the lost world um book and the uh, deleted opening for the lost world there was intended that a bear these aberrant forms 
were washing out to sea from the island and washing up in places they shouldn't be, like the Costa Rican beaches or the South China Sea. Yeah, well, that's there. That's why that got me thinking about it. But uh, Grant says if we can find our way down to the canyon, we can use the or follow the river to the coast, and then we'll after we find your parents. <laughs> so two different plans here. Billy's making for the coast, but Grant's sort of wanting to uh, find the parents before we get to the boat. So he's going to be walking around circles looking for them when well um, they're, they're leaving the area. Well, I think it was meant more to reassure Eric because Eric, I'm sure Eric is worried about his parents and Grant's not wanting him to worry, so he tells him, oh, don't worry, we'll look for your parents. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. But um, impatiently, Eric asks, then what? And Grant says, well, one step at a time. <laughs> so just settle down, we'll, we'll try and see if we can get down to the boat and look for your parents in the meantime and we'll go from there. But uh, Eric doesn't get the answer. <laughs> from Grant here, he um he hears something and says, listen, and Grant pauses and looks sort of fearful. He's like, oh, what? more raptors or something like that. But um, then we get that sound of the uh, satellite phone ringing quite clearly. <laughs> and especially considering where it's, where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that animal's got to be close. <laughs> Just standing there with its mouth open, <laughs> mm-hmm. being used as a speaker. But... Uh... <laughs> Eric says that's my dad's satellite phone, and um, I thought it was Udesky's phone because Udesky's got it in the uh, in the plane. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why someone that owns a hardware store would need a satellite phone in rural America. Maybe okay, maybe you haven't got the best signal, but it's not as if you're calling internationally or anything. And considering he's in the script anyway, he sold half his house just or mortgage everything just to finance the mercenary side of things to get to the island and the plane, you wouldn't think a satellite phone would be in the budget, especially 2000, 2001, where they'll, like new LED TVs are now, in the four-figure sums. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I think it was always... I always assumed it was... Uh, it was um, Paul's phone, just because it has his store's jingle on as the ringtone, you know? When we when we first had the phone, we I think we talked about it was I don't think it was the Nokia thirty three ten. I think it was another phone that um, had that ringtone on it. Was that pre? Uh, this this ring this ringtone existed before the film. They've just used um, put this jingle to it to say it's Kirby Paint and Tile Plus. I wonder if there'd be licensing. Yeah, yeah, which come first? <laughs> Again, if it's not if it's an original if it's not an original tune, then surely there'd be licensing there as well. It's all over the film. Like we get it, we get it all over the start of the film, and here we get it for the next couple of minutes as um, as it's playing from the Spinosaur. So we'll have to look into that for next minute. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Eric looks about, then sort of runs off into the jungle, and Grant follows. Arcs and how do you know? And as Alec. Uh, as Eric runs, he um, recites recites the jingle. Uh, Kirby Paint and Tile Plus. We're in Westgate. <laughs> uh, then he throws all caution to the wind and just starts yelling, "Mum and Dad," <laughs> which um, the whole the whole time he's been worried about making too much noise and <laughs> attracting the uh, less favourable dinosaurs. He's sort of thrown all caution to the wind here, and it sort of um, later in the script or the novel, it sort of 
this moment of um, euphoria of sort of mum and dad are here, we found them, that's the jingle, it's sort of, he um, stops being the boy that's been st- stuck on the island for uh, for eight weeks and becomes just a 13-year-old child again and wants to go home and wants wants to hug his parents. Mm-hmm. But um, as the minute ends, we sort of get that dramatic music start to uh, build as we cut to uh, Paul and Amanda trekking through the jungle not so close by because I don't hear the noise hear the hear Eric yet or the phone we get that next minute mm-hmm. but uh, anything else on that you want to discuss I had the ringtone or this ringtone as my ringtone for a couple years and then you know I'm not sure if you guys have a bad scam call uh, uh, thing going on in your country but we do in the United States and it's gotten to like epidemic proportions to where like everybody nobody will answer their phone anymore because they don't want to have to deal with a robocall yeah well yeah not, so, not so much scan call more so just funeral services and just yeah robocalls energy companies wanting to, to change thing and that's that's one of the reasons we disconnected our home phone our landline <laughs> we've only got mobile now uh, we're considering doing the same but yeah on our cell phones it's usually scams that are like targeting elderly people trying to get them to get them give them their money and stuff like that yeah yeah and so it just got so bad that i could not handle dying tone anymore <laughs> every day like six times a day it just got to the point i'm like okay that, that's that that's gotta stop <laughs> uh, well there's the humor of it that this is oh well, it's not a, oh i suppose yeah danger call and going back to that scene well as soon as you hear that noise you think oh no i'm in trouble the spinosaurus here will be i'm in trouble the scammer's trying to contact me <laughs> but i could i could definitely see how that would uh would get annoying <laughs> oh, <laughs> after yeah, a while but fun fact i was actually talking to my mom today because it's mother's day and well we celebrated Mother's Day. Yep. Mother's Day is technically Sunday. But anyway, um, I mentioned it to her about the and I brought up uh, how it was the jingle for the Kirby Paint Tile Plus in Westgate, Enid, Oklahoma. And she was thinking, and she her company that she works for builds the Westgate Mall. Oh. Uh, in Enid, Oklahoma. So oh, well. there's a coincidence for you. <laughs> small world i know isn't it <laughs> she works billing at a uh, retail commercial um ownership place that basically owns mall space around the country yep and she's in charge of the company that i'm mean, not the company but the department that bills the uh the various shopping centers oh nice in the uh, in the script again, we it's all pretty much the same as what we get in the film here. We just get a little bit here of uh, after oh, Grant hands the, the raptor claw back, and Eric's becoming more and more normal, thirteen year old boy, and there's an innocence to him that's coming back. But uh, we cut in, in the script, we cut back to uh, Paul and Amanda. Um, Amanda's waiting for Paul to come out of the bushes as he hikes up his shorts. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not from. Uh, from the uh, urinator, it's, he's trying to take charge. 
<laughs> I, can just, I can just imagine Paul just sitting there pulling up his pants and going, right, what are we going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy says the stick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> same thing. We get the same thing with Billy stick to the plan. Um, but um, when America, uh, America, when Amanda asks, what about Eric? Billy sort of represses his in- instinct to say that Eric's dead. He still doesn't believe the boy's alive at this point. <laughs> we get the same same bit of dialogue about all the big animals being in the centre of the island. And, uh, but, um, yeah, we get to... Uh, Eric here in the jingle, and um, we cut to we cut back to Paul, uh, Paul, Amanda, and Billy walking before uh, Eric hears. We sort of get a couple of quick cuts back and forth as the uh, the phone starts to ring, and um, it's Paul and Amanda hear the phone ringing as well, and not uh, Eric yelling out that we get the next minute. So that's it for the uh, the script. In a novel, it sort of starts to come back in line to film here after Grant and Eric find the boat. We hear the phone ringing. Uh, we hear the phone ring before they leave the ridge which that's what pulls them away from the, looking down at the river same paint and tile plus song uh, the ring stops but now you can hear these parents and sort of runs out into a clearing so that's the novel uh, yeah Dave anything else you want to discuss before we get heavy for the day and let's discuss the uh, foliage real quick Yep. you know how I always like to do, discuss these sets here I think it's really nice that the sets especially with the more close-up scenes, seem to be more compacted here than earlier hmm. in the movie. They just seem to be more or less realistic, except for that kind of reverse shot we get of um, Alan and uh, Eric kind of walking into the forest, walking into the woods, and then we see the um, that little stream that runs through every one of these sets, and that kind of almost becomes one of the tells. <laughs> to, this, to this movie how do you know it's a set oh you got a creek running through it yeah the one thing that shouldn't be a tell is a tell yeah and again it's just another example of just like the foliage being all nice and tight and Eric sort of being a little bit smaller can dart through down lower where the sort of trunks of the ferns in that are where Grant's up high and getting slapped mm-hmm. in the face by palm fronds oh, I'll just let's bring up a couple of photos to have a look well, even especially too when they sort of walk away from the camera a little bit earlier after mm-hmm. discussing going to the coast, you can see see a little bit of depth to the jungle. But again, you've the fog machine's working in the background to sort of hide <laughs> the end of the set, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's one thing they stay pretty consistent with. I, I I think it's just because the fact that they're using the one or two sets and just walking one way and the other back through them. But just how you get those large vines hanging down after leaves leaves mm-hmm. on them. Um, naturally hanging down that's kind of another tell because when the kawaii shot the shots done on kawaii don't have those large vines hanging down it's Mm. weird they have a little bit in the uh, parasail scene but it's like they took that one kind of like 20 by 20 foot open space (laughs) and just tried to duplicate it for every single part of the jungle yeah we're going to take this jungle that exists and make it darker <laughs> make it bigger yeah because in Fallen Kingdom when um, Owen's walking up the stream towards Blue's Nest and the Overturn Explorer we get similar vines and that hanging from the trees but they haven't got the big leaves on them whether it's just a, the wrong different time of year to filming or or what what the what the go was there with just the different foliage but well that I think was a set 
You reckon, you reckon that was a set with the... Oh, again, of course, is the creek running through it. No, oh, oh, wait, you mean the one where he's walking down the creek or the one where he's walking up through Blue's Nest with the uh, Ford Explorer? Well, it's probably a, it's probably one of those good bits of editing where it cuts from set to real location back to set. Yeah. Because they, they had that Explorer in Hawaii for filming. We remember seeing it on the back of that truck when it was over there, so... Mm-hmm. But then I remember, also remember that um, part of that was a set as well. Yeah. Because I, I, but I do believe that the part with the, uh, with the creek there was actually part of a on location. That's not, yeah, because that's not the shot where we where we're supposed to have seen the stegosaur in the background, is it? Because I don't, they wouldn't have shipped that that massive thing over to Hawaii. That would have stayed. No, that the stegosaur was actually. On location, I think they left it there. Oh, it's wow. there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real news, real tours. Why oh, might have to get onto that? That's still in the jungle somewhere. No, I, I think they um, have visited it previously. Okay. Already. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to send Shane a message and see. Because yeah, I... they swore I thought I saw him post something about seeing it or something like that. Oh, I might have missed that. <laughs> That'd be something to come back to for a later minute. Good news on that. All right. Done, Dave. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is drasticminutes.wordpress.com, and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Drastic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable would be done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters, nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. You're Desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.